Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. I feel like I should start by breaking into it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, which it probably I'm going for the line a bit soon. We're still three weeks away, but um, it feels like the whole sort of political landscape has, has got a bit of a feeling of starting to wind down for the old uh, the old Christmas break, Simon. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I mean, I don't know whether it's a wind down or just the end of the wind up that's happened over the summer and the autumn. So it's been a bit... It, it's been a bit hectic, hasn't it? We've lived, we've lived, we've certainly lived in interesting times, and maybe everyone else has just kind of come to the conclusion that, ah, uh, sod it, the general's not for eighteen months away. No one's going to be daft enough to call one any sooner. Nothing else is kind of really happening. Let's just um, everyone kind of sneak off to Christmas, and um, we'll come back at it with a new year. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like kind of with everything that's gone on the sort of boiling maelstrom of leadership elections and plots and schemes and et tu brutai and you know would you like Rishi Sunak no we wouldn't like Rishi Sunak you sure you don't want Rishi Sunak no we definitely won't Rishi Sunak congratulations you've won Rishi Sunak yeah I think guess with all of that going on there's um there's an element of it just all needs to to calm down a bit and as you say at that sort of national level we're 18 months away from an election um you know locally i think we've got a bit of a brew heading towards is it february the 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 great fun of the budget yes yes the excitement that will be the budget um, yes yeah so we, we'll see kind of how that how that turns out but um yeah, it you know to quote Gavin Williamson, it it does sound like everybody has decided to shut up and go away for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, and and um, yeah, I think there's there is there's very much that feel about it, and and we thought well in the in the spirit of 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 the the general apathy and um, and and pre Christmas running, we'd focus on the uh, the full council for Tuesday, the last chance of the year. Um, who knows whether there'll be there'll be sherry and mince pies? I doubt it. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is the uh, this is the last full gathering, and I guess there's, there'll be one more in January before the big budget bust up in February. So I think that's what we'll bill it as. The but yes, the but yes, we'll, we'll try to see if we can do better on the alliteration there. But um, but essentially. Yeah, this is this is just the car before the storm. That is inevitably the the bust up at the budget, and then the um, the lead in to the local elections in May. So, yeah, it's, it, in some ways, um, I, I don't know if we're underselling it to say it's a bit of a non-event. Um, but um, remember the times well, when we used to have no, to have sessions where there was eleven notices of motion, and you know they were going on you know, for hours and hours and, and this one, five notices of motion, one petition, um, and one urgent item to discuss. Yeah, it, it all seems a little bit more kind of everyone just seems to have calmed down a bit. We'll go through the a little dig into the detail and see whether there's anything there that excites us. We usually I'd like to consider ourselves to be a fair barometer of the 
the the local uh, the local politics mood, and uh, we, we've we've probably got quite a keen eye for the notice of motion now. You know, which is to see whether there is anything, um, shall we say, substantive behind it, or whether we call upon this house to suggest that Simon smells of we, and I don't mean the French perfume, um, those kind of rather pointless motions that uh, that tend not to get voted through. So we'll uh, we'll have a dig about. Yes, we'll we'll have a we'll have a we'll have a dig. Um, but yes, um, but there is also one item that isn't a notice of motion, isn't um, it isn't originally kind of into the agenda, but is has been snuck in as as an urgent matter um, that needs discussing. Shall we start with that, or shall we start with the petition? The choice is yours. Oh, um, well, let's hear let's let's hear the voice of the people first. Let's let's talk about the petition first. Let's let's get to the petition. So, uh, the petition is um, so that's item seven on the agenda. Um, and that's a petition from um, from Portsea Action Group, um, basically with over f any petition that's submitted to the council with more than 500 signatures um, has to be presented at council and debated at council. That doesn't necessarily mean that it um, that it ends in a vote of any sort. Um, it just means that it's presented to the council um, and that they get to they get to discuss it and the cabinet. Um, get to give an official uh, an official response so um yeah it's um it's a petition to reinstate gps at the john pounds medical center um they're calling out the issues that um essentially there hasn't been a gp at the john pound center since uh since it merged with another uh, gp practice in the city um just around kind of the start of covid so they've been without um, GP services there for so, so quite some considerable time and considering that was meant to be a temporary issue that doesn't really seem to have turned out to be all that temporary um, so it'll be interesting to see what the uh, what the presenter of the petition is going to say make in her statement that's um, Deborah Edwards um, and also what the what the council's response is going to be to that um, but we've talked about GPs before haven't we we've talked about the issue of there aren't enough GPs in the city um, yeah, so, uh, from memory, is, wasn't mm -hmm. wasn't Lee the Lib Dem working on an active um, petition to go to government about GP services, or was that dentists? Um, I might have been both, but um, no, I mean it's a it's a it's a very difficult issue, isn't it? In terms of you know, there is a shortage of GPs. Every surgery's got vacancies. And I guess there's an element of, you know, if you've got a surgery that's meant to be in two places um, and you're short of staff, then it would seem natural to me to consolidate those, um, those resources in one place. And, you know, I guess it does speak to there is an element for me of as somebody who's now had a several telephone consultations there's a bit of me that thinks well do, do we really need gps physically very close to to residents or you know what percentage could be done much more effectively and efficiently as a as a telephone consultation. I guess, I guess with 
I mean, with GPs, obviously, COVID's taught lots of people how to use Zoom a lot more and how, yep. to do, how to work effectively remotely or help them discover and really thrash out what things don't work effectively remotely. And for some yep. people that works and for some people that doesn't. I guess the ideal would be that you've, you've got the availability there, um, but that you, you're essentially providing the choice to the, um, to the patient as to which is the most effective way choice for them as to how they want to be seen and helped. Now, that's obviously easier to, um, easier to staff if they don't have to be in a, in a geographical location. But there are some issues and, and certainly some patients that would much benefit, I'm sure, from face to face. So it's not one or the other, is it? It's a question of having all of those, all of those things well, in your, in, in your palette of, of things to choose, isn't it? But whether there's a need well, to have one geographically in that part of the city as opposed to a couple of miles away, um, yeah, it's probably it, it's probably quite a distance. If you think that there wasn't a, you know, we're I think we're pro both probably members at the same practice in Cosham. If there wasn't, if you think of a similar distance, if there wasn't then another practice until North End, wouldn't that be a bit of a problem? Um, I guess it would, but there's an element of. I, yeah, there's a, there's a part of me that that I, I guess in terms of you know, and this is where it becomes a this is where it, I guess it becomes a, a, an issue about you know well is it a matter of choice for the patient or is it with limited resources is it a matter of of you know the the GP practice organising themselves in such a way that they can provide a service to the majority of patients. Again, if I look at the, if I look at the statistics on missed appointments, you know, which I think says that one in four people who book a, and this is a pre-COVID stat, one in four who book a physical appointment don't turn up, then I guess if you don't turn up to your telephone appointment, there is 30 seconds of the phone ringing the doctor in question going, oh, well, yeah, strike that one from this, move on to the next one on the list. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I guess it's it, it's kind of what, what we've all grown up with and what we've come to expect. And, and um, you know, I guess is there's a question that says, well, is it, you know, I don't, I, I'm sure I remember that, you know, previously when sort of children have been, the concept of doctors making house calls is a, you know, I think is a thing of the past, you know, the consolidation of out of hours services into one place. I, I, I don't know whether this isn't just the next evolution of, of seeing the doctor and, and whether, as you said, once we've, uh, once that way of working is known, whether you can't or maybe shouldn't unknow it, but um. So yeah, it will yeah, be interesting to yeah. see what what the council's response is. But I, I don't know that the council has any sway to force the practice in question to create or to ensure. I don't think there's any way that they can force. If I, you want I, a better word, I, I don't think they have any powers to, to direct a a a surgery or a group of surgeries where they where they put their staff. But they can. I mean. I'm sure that they would be listening to the council, but they they still have to make a decision based on where that where that piece where that 
resourcing is going to be the most effective and get to be able to see the most um, the most patients. But then again, um, we we, sh- we shall see. But it, yeah, um, a petition coming to council, the the, the full council don't get to. Um, we don't see them often, vote. do we? Uh, no, we don't. We don't see them often. Um, I mean, it's it's quite a useful political um, device for parties to use in order to um, gauge what things are basically really pressing the buttons of the electorate. Um, it's also a um, let's be honest, it's a good way of being able to build up a, a contact base of people that are thinking the same way you're thinking. And if you're thinking the way I'm thinking, you should think about voting for me. If you're thinking what I'm thinking, yeah, um, is, is kind of is kind of that sort of thing. But um, from a perspective of yes, the full council will discuss it. Um, does that result in a change of policy? And even if it does, does would that mean that the council can direct them, can direct the surgery in in question to put staff there? I'm not sure that's something they can do. That's something we should probably ask Matthew Winnington, and to see, but. We'll see what their responses are on Tuesday. We're getting a comment in the in the live stream uh, in the chat, basically saying that face to face is preferable. And I think for lots of people, that that genuinely is they they prefer that kind of human that human yeah. context. There's got to be a way yeah. of doing a bit of both. Well, and I guess that, but this is this is part of the challenge, though, isn't it? Is that face to face is preferable. But then I guess that there are people who would say that. You know, as I touched on, that the the hospital, the the doctor on call, house call was preferable. Um, I, I'm sure there are some people for whom, you know, the out of hours service, you know, with a generic GP, it is, you know, for them would be would be less agreeable than their own GP. But I think this is where. This is where you know the service is evolving, and you know we, we've we've gone away from the the you know one GP with a consulting room in their house. Um, yeah, just it feels like an evolution to me, and I, I guess that's the you know it's one of the questions around kind of you know having a universal healthcare provision that the state pays for is that you know how much in how much patient choice is there or is it a case of of you know a minimum and adequate service has to be provided at the lowest possible cost yeah one for a future show perhaps yeah i think that's that's one to kind of tease out i think we've touched on it before but i think the the fact that gp surgeries are are actually a private business yeah you know they're in themselves um basically contracted to to conduct nhs services on behalf of the nhs it to me it comes it seems like a very similar model to the way that banks and post offices have gone society's changed our needs and our ways of interacting with things have changed and a forgive me i'm going to sound um you know the 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 traditional capitalist model of that should be a you know a, a a business that stands on its own two feet well, it doesn't stand on its own two feet in lots of areas, so you need to support it because the cost of not having it there is actually considerably greater to that community than the fi- just the financial cost. It's, uh, to me, it's more than worth more than just the spreadsheet. But uh, like you say, that's another yeah. show we could spend the evening yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about that. Yeah, no, I absolutely, and, uh, and again, it's it's similar to a conversation we had a few months ago about um, about the council calling upon the banks to ensure that there was banking provision. I think in the hills, mm-hmm. sort of north end area where. And call on them all you like, but if at the end of the day it's that, um, you know, pe- well, people. The bank's response is going to be okay. Is the council going to give me subsidy to help me keep the branch open? 
But, um, no, we're not going to do that. Well, okay then. Decisions. Yeah, no, um, yeah, and it, it, yeah, and it is interesting. I was, uh, I was at the, you know, again, uh, the the world is changing and evolving, and um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that unfurls. But there was an urgent matter, an urgent matter, a point of order, if you will. Yes, um, indeed. So, well, not a point of order, but a uh, basically. Um, so there was a uh, matter of urgent business. So the the proportionality. So the representatives from which political groups sit on which uh, particular committees or panels as part of the council. Um, there's a table basically that allocates those on the basis of the number of seats that particular party has. So that's yep. why it's um, important that um, that's why there's a, it rewards people grouping into political parties. Yep. Um, and with the news this week that uh, Councillor Judith Smythe um, is um, be being investigated by the uh, by the National Labour Party, um, so while they're conducting that investigation because uh, they've received a complaint, um, they've suspended her from uh, from the party. So while that means that's ongoing, she's currently the chair of the uh, of the planning committee. Yes. So that that kind of opens up, a, and and amongst other things, so that opens up a whole conversation as to uh, as to kind of how the council needs to kind of deal with that. So there'll be a bit of horse trading and a bit of communicate and a bit of back and forth as to well, if effectively that means that the count the um the Labour group are losing a member, even if that is a temporary position, that does mean that um. That basically things need to uh, kind of go out. So, um, yeah. So the 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 point that was that was issued by uh, by the council was that with um, with Councillor Smythe uh, no longer a member of the Labour group um, uh, and is therefore current, consequently and now non-aligned independent councillor on um, councillor on the council. Because don't forget that's the that's the National Labour Party um, suspending her for the court for an investigation. They don't have any power to remove her as a councillor, um, nope. and indeed the council don't. Um, yeah. So, and I think so that's it, where it's and, and all of those things are. Let's have an investigation, and indeed that's been her response. She's been quoted in the evening news as you know, effectively saying, "We have processes to investigate these things. I hope the investigation's conducted um, soon and smoothly. But it's important that these things are investigated and." It's it's worth also commenting that uh, that Labour group leader on Portsmouth on Portsmouth City Council, uh, Cal Corkery, um, states he that she enjoys the, his full support, um, and that um, he's hopeful that the party will conclude its investigation and reinstate her membership as a matter of urgency. So, so we're not a stranger on Portsmouth City Council, sadly, to there being suspensions all be them temporary suspensions while investigations are undertaken yes. by the respective parties. That's happened a couple of times to uh, to Conservative councillors in the last recent years. Um, so we, you know, we shall see. This one, we don't know what the uh, what the particular source of the issue is, um, but at the end of the day, um, it's got to be investigated. That means that some juggling needs to go on about who, how many people have representation on which panels. Yeah, and I think this one is an interesting one because one of the questions we received through the uh, Portsmouth Politics Facebook group was, well, 
you know, I you vote for a person, not a party. And I think in terms of the chairs of the um, of the committees, uh, my memory of of those was they they were voted on. Um, people were voted into the chair position as well as there being a sort of allocation of folk throughout the different committee. So, because mm -hmm. obviously we had a bit of a hoo-ha, didn't we, after last May, when um, when uh, the Labour and Conservatives found a bit of love for each other to ensure that the chairs of some of the panels were were um, divvied up amongst themselves rather than. Um, than than some of the other parties so yeah i think this one is an interesting one it it, it it could end up being a fuss over nothing in the you know by the time i'm sure the 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 council has got its spreadsheet out and worked out if judith's now a non-aligned independent what does that mean in terms of you know who's who's the person who should get the next seat or do they have to have an elect a new chair of planning or does the deputy step up i'm sure there's all sorts of rules and wranglings to go on and probably by the time they've done it all um there's every chance the investigation will be over and uh, judith will be back sat with the uh, sat with the red team so um we'll see how that all unfolds i'm sure somebody will get aerated about it uh, i'm sure that someone will claim that um it's unfair um how the how they're distributed because it, it seems that it's the age-old thing of isn't it but the ref has has um has been unkind to us and and kind to the other guys but the other guys are also claiming the ref has also been unkind to them oh yeah and kind to you oh. so it, it's the um look there are quite simple mechanisms to calculate or well we say simple we're not going to explain them because we don't quite understand them ourselves. But essentially, there's a, there's a nice table on the on the um, on the PDF that's on the on the website. There's a link in the comments to the event um, that I've put in that that basically, if people want, really wanted to go and get get down into the into the bottom of it. But essentially, um, okay, this just changes some things because you need to be a member of that group. Your ability to sit on those panels or committees stems from your member your you being a member of that political grouping on the council and if you're no longer a member of that political grouping you're still a councillor but you don't get to be part of their part of their um i don't want to say entourage but part of their posse that are therefore then you know there's quite a list um so councillor Smythe is a um she's a labor group appointment on the planning committee as well as the chair the governance and ordinance standard committee uh, the Education, Children and Young People Scrutiny Panel. She also has a Labour Group uh, Standing Deputy on both the Housing and Social Care Scrutiny Panels and the Scrutiny Management Panel. In addition, she was also the Labour Group Opposition Spokesperson for the Planning Policy and City Development Portfolio, which is a matter for the group leader to um, to assign. So that's not something the council itself gets to, you know, the, the full council gets yep. to decide itself. That's a matter for the group. But um, yeah, it's, again, it's, we'll, we'll move all of the pieces into, into what is a pragmatic, agreeable position. And then by the time everything's happened and it's next year and we're back again, that's the, you know, the, the severe likelihood is, is, isn't it that, um, that we'll have to go and undo it again anyway. It'll all blow over. It'll all blow over. Right, let's move on to the notices of motion. What have we? Yes. Just the five this month, which is, a, again, a bit of a skinny offering by comparison. So uh, let's start at the top and work down, shall we? Uh, yeah, so um, so notices of motion, um, 
if anyone kind of realised that um, <clears throat> we might have played a little bit with our, you know, we have our, we like, we have a bit of a penchant for whimsical titles. Um, so, um, so we went for very little help. Question mark as our title this week, but this one is so it came. It, this kind of really stems from there was a question to a cabinet member um, in um, from one of the members of the PIP. Yep. Of the PIPs, um, so the Portsmouth Independence Party, um, at the last full council, uh, basically about how did they come to the decision of where they were going to reallocate the recycling points to uh, from Tesco in North Harbour because there was disquiet about where, where they'd basically be chosen to be put in um, in Port Solent and in Paulsgrove. Um, and the conversation there, for those those of you that actually watched the, um, the footage, um, <clears throat> as I did, um, the... Um, for my sins that was just punishment that day but there was even conversation then of well perhaps this should be something brought back to full council and you know what here it is as if by magic (laughs) yeah as if as if by magic um here here is the one basically calling on so um and what's interesting about this motion um is that it's proposed by the council the lib dem council leader gerald vernon jackson seconded by the labor group leader Cal Corkery, um, but also supported by George Madrick the, of the uh, Portsmouth Independence Party. Um, and essentially, it says, look, the council regrets that Tesco have made the decision to remove the recycling, their recycling facilities from its Fratton and Port Solent stores um, and remarks about supermarkets sell huge amounts of products in packaging that can be recycled and supermarkets should be doing more to be cutting down on packaging and waste. Instead, they've moved removed these facilities to allow local residents that how we're allowing local residents to recycle at their stores and the council regrets the actions of tesco um who seem to be putting company profits before care of the environment and asked tesco to bring back recycling centers in their portsmouth stores um Mm. yeah so basically please mr tesco can you put your recycling banks back in thanks yeah, and this is one of those funny ones, isn't it? And again, it's got kind of universal, or almost universal, support across the um, across the political spectrum. But it's a little bit for me of a of a a bit of a virtue signal and a bit of a shouting into the void because I'm, you know, I'm I'm guessing there is an element of for Tesco's there must have been you know whilst there is a benefit for providing that service to their customers there also must have been a cost and if we look at it from a you know again i'm i'm trying to remember because we've used that we use the north harbour one regularly um the bottle bank that was there and i think there was a clothes bank as well um but there's an element of you know somebody at tesco's will have done the sums won't they because you know, there is an element of they are a business, not a charity. And so, yeah, kind of, well, you could almost, and again, if I was being provocative and I was a member of the management team of T. Stockwell and Cohen, um, you know, I'd be offering Portsmouth Council, you know, if they wanted to install bottle banks in the corners of my car park and come and take them away and empty them and bring fresh ones back 
I'm sure we could come to some kind of agreeable financial arrangement to allow the city council to do that. Is I, it I Tesco's think, job or not? Um, well, I do. I do think it's 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 the responsibility of the organisations that create or are the source of the materials that need recycling to be part of the solution. And if they want the need to, of recycling to um, to reduce, then there are things they can do about reducing their packaging um, or removing, you know, mm. the packaging. Yep. And, I, and I know that all major retailers have made made moves along those lines to, to reduce the amount of packaging. Um, but to But to be a major source of the issue, it's like... It's almost like McDonald's deciding that they're not going to have rubbish bins outside their restaurants because they're not happy with the fact that people keep putting rubbish on the floor. It's yeah, like, well, yeah. that's not going to get better. I think I think the reason they cited was because um, because people were fly tipping. So so if people were fly tipping, that to me sounds like this is a solution to a different problem, not a solution to this one. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if you're fly tipping... this is tipping, an unintended consequence, yeah? Yeah, I mean, for me, if you're fly tipping, you're, you're going to fly tip whether there's a bottle bank there or not, aren't you? If you can drive into that space in the dead of night and unload a builder's lorry full of scref and drive off, if that's your thing, I don't think the presence of a bottle bank will, will you know, again, a wang about, lads, we should be flight in it here there's no recycling facilities anymore we better go and find a country lane to dump this down i, I yeah I, i'm not sure i i kind of follow that logic through um but no, there's I an element that, I, that might be just for the because when i walk past the bottle bank that's just down the road from me at highbury college quite often mm -hmm. that's overflowing quite often the bottle bank um it's full and rather than take stuff back with them, people would just pile it up outside the bottle bank on in bags and just leave right. it there. And to be honest, I, I'd suspect that from the volume of it, either people are having a lot more parties than than um, than than they used to, or perhaps actually some businesses are using using that as a way to get rid of having them have them having to pay um, for that for that um, for that material to be collected. And either way, ah. that's an output of a different problem. Yes, not 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 the one that we're kind of talking about. So I think it's a, it's a solution to a different um, um, to a different uh, problem. So we've got some comments that. Um, that do it. So uh, Kimberly Barrett, so the the cabinet member for um, for. Um, for the environment and climate change. Sorry, Kimberly, I've forgotten the, the, the official title. Um, um, but they do have environmental sustainability policies to adhere to, and a lot of the waste that is recycled comes from their stores. We have talked to them as a council to work on things together, and they are, were not interested. Um, and David also uh, quotes, uh, Tesco can always withdraw their recycling facilities. Like Ian said, they are a business and not a charity. The issue then is the lack of recycling glass by the local authority. It's ridiculous that this has not been addressed, but maybe that's the problem with austerity. Happy Christmas. And then friend of the pod, Scott, uh, Scott Peter Harris, has, has told us to leave it out, lads, because it's coming home. I don't think he's talking about the recycling. Ah uh, no, so I think this was our this was our dilemma, wasn't it, about the fact that at seven o'clock, England are playing foot the ball against Senegal, and Aye. as we know, the yes, the eponymous, uh, the the splendidly named Scott Peter Harris, um, allegedly both loves football and is a season ticket holder at 
Portsmouth, which some might say is mutually exclusive. But anyway, I think he is, we spoke about the Venn diagram of the uh, the followers of um, the podcast, podcast and those and, and those who favour association football. And I think we may have found the crossover in, in Scott Peter-Harris, who is... Uh, He's the one person going, in that, in that he, spot in the middle is, of the Venn diagram. He is... Is that so? I know, and I think there is an element of businesses do have social responsibilities, and I and I do get that. But I think the the, the piece for me, you know, and again, uh, I it, it's, you know, I, I've I've I must confess, Simon, I've always found the whole recycling thing a bloody irritation, but I've become conditioned to it, and you know, the the, the fact is that when we got our wheelie bins, and you know, we've got we've got two recycling big recycling bins now on one you know refuse bin that's the size of a cram's eye socket um and you know we in theory have a food waste bin although ours was stolen some five weeks ago and we despite several attempts to get a new chum bucket delivered it's not there but i digress um but for me you know there's an element of of you know we do the recycling and the vast the vast majority of the um of the you know we can recycle everything pretty much with the exception of as i think david points out the glass bottles are not recyclable so you then have the option as to whether you diligently nip there when you have one bag or um you stow them somewhere and then make a pilgrimage only to find that the bottle bank is full um, and now I never would, but uh, obviously some people then just unload the car and pile them up in a impromptu sculpture. But I don't think um, it's Tesco's problem to solve because, you know, uh, to, to quote the BBC, other supermarkets are available. <laughs> um, they they um, they are indeed. Um, Kimberley's offered to chase uh, chase the food bin for you. Um, so. Um, and uh, Scott, uh, which Scott Peter Harris wishes as well. So thank you very much both. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I still remain convinced that they're, they're they're part of the problem. And there is a, I know what the I've heard talked about the re the reasons why we don't do curbside glass uh, collections in the in the city. But we that we will digress completely if we um we'll just have to give up entirely on our well, running to order yes, if, if we went into that. So yeah, no. Um, and to be fair, there is a, there are people that will. Um, mm. Yeah, no, we, we had a leaflet a while back that said, would you like us to come and recycle your glass? Um, and they will give you a small box for you to put your glass in. And for, um, I think the best part of a tenner oh. a week, they'll come and pick it up. But um, Spoilers, so. Kimberly tells us that glass collection is coming. Oh, like in the style of holidays are coming. So, um, yes. Or winter. Um, yeah, so <laughs> either or. So, yeah, no, and look, I can see, I, I can see why there's a there's a grumpiness towards Tesco's for their 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 cruel and rather spiteful taking it away. But unfortunately, I think this is a notice of motion. Everyone's going to jolly violently agree that Tesco are cads and or bounders, and Tesco are going to adopt the the the. Am I bothered? Response. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, Conservative Council Group leader Simon Bosher was quoted in the evening news as, as basically saying, "Do we really want to be picking a fight with Tesco? Because at some point, we're going to be wanting to work with them for several community reasons." Um, 
uh, and we probably shouldn't just be picking a fight with them. So, um, so that kind of goes with that one. So, should we move on to item B, twelve B? Yes. Yeah. So, so we're we're sort of, I think the, the Pompey Politics podcast is sort of grudgingly giving a, uh, yeah, go on. We're not going to disagree with you, but. Oh, I did. I to make it clear, I disagreed with you <laughs> about the, about whether Tesco should be part of the problem, they part of the solution to the problem that they cause. Um, <clears throat> Seventeen years of working for them didn't didn't colour my opinion of them at all. Um, so, yeah, I only, I only did the two two and a half. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So item item twelve B uh, is a Labour motion from Councillor uh, Charlotte Gerarda and um, and it's seconded by Judith Smythe. Um, so I, th- I'm not sure if she'll still be allowed to second it if she's yeah, no longer say, a member can, of that group. But no, I think anybody she can should say, be all right. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fair. I mean, look, Cal's been very open that she still has the Labour group support, and I think, you know, whilst the whilst the National Labour Party may have withdrawn her membership, which means she's forced to sit as a non-aligned independent, you know, in the same way that other councillors before have been non-aligned independents they're, they're still pretty well bloody aligned with their their party of choice so um yeah i don't think anything will change here so so what's charlotte asking for um so um charlotte's uh motion here so one thing i've noticed with um with the labor motions recently is they're they're usually quite um they're laid out in detail um mm. bullet pointed out as to kind of what the issues are and they also include uh, links to their references um so i think it it's um i don't know it's it, i just find it uh, worth remarking on the difference between some motions are literally one sentence and some go on for quite a while whereas the labor part labor groups seem to be writing their motions to build a case so it's it's almost you know it, it's almost like these are these are why we think this is the issue. These are the sources that we've got for why we think this is an issue, and this is what we think the solution is. So this this one is talking about um, everyone um, needing to and deserving the the right to feel safe, um, regardless of um, age, ability, and location in the city, um, and that uh, asking basically the the, the cabinet to um, either extend the We Stand Together project, project um, and sign up to the Safe Spaces uh, National Network. Um, so that various groups are included in the Safer Spaces scheme um, to request the implementation of, of the scheme that there's an ed- educational programme um, and it's running to run into schools uh, to make young people aware of how the initiative can benefit them so that they know that it's there, um, to request that officers proactively approach uh, potential premises and develop a map of safe spaces that's uh, published for everyone uh, everyone to be able to see um, and ensure that young people and their parents and other relevant groups are invited to form a, a working group. So, uh, you know, essentially this is saying we could be doing more to make sure that there are places of safety that people from a variety of different groups can go to, especially um, and the, the motion kind of cites young people, um, um, calls them out so they've got somewhere safe that's not going to be somewhere where they're going to be exposed to trouble or um you know is- issues or, or and things like that um and this is just basically saying could we actually join that up a bit please and make sure mm. that everybody knows about it 
So, so I, I read this and, and I have to say, I've got to commend uh, Charlotte and the Labour team for the thoroughness, as you say, of the of the motion. And, the, you know, again, the, the goodness of it is one of those things that you, you, you know, you, you follow through the logic and, you know, there's references there in there about, you know, county lines and, and how they exploit vulnerable youngsters to, to, to do their work for them. And, and, and it all makes absolute sense. And I think this is one of those, one of those initiatives, endeavours, projects that, that, you know, I don't see how anyone is going to object to creating safe spaces for vulnerable people be they young old you know disabled or have learning um difficulties whatever that is that it, it makes sense i think that the, the with this one the devil's in the detail and the detail for me at first glance looks really expensive because you know ultimately if you're going to create a safe space for vulnerable children and adults at the very forefront of what you do have to be safeguarding so if you are going to undertake this as an organization as the council you've got to be absolutely certain that those spaces are safe spaces and the people who are running those supporting those are appropriately vetted and that it doesn't become a a recruitment hub for those that who would seek to exploit the vulnerable and I think this is where the this is where the 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 challenge in this in this kind of in this motion comes. And you know, unfortunately, the the you know the the piece that isn't referenced. There's good references to Eastleigh and Southampton and 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 I think some other is what does it cost? You know, we we, we had a when we looked at the autumn statement a couple of weeks ago, we we had Steve Pitt on from the the council who was you know very very concerned at the plight that councils are going to be in in terms of having to you know cover the bills with the with inflation with the minimum wage going up you know all of those cost pressures coming on to councils um and i do wonder whether tabling this as a potential uncosted new initiative excellent as it is um you can't cut corners in areas like this when it comes to safeguarding and and putting in those checks and balances to make sure that your spaces are safe uh, no no you can't um i mean that could swerve us into a wider conversation about how the funding for non-mandatory i mean even the funding for mandatory uh, local government schemes uh, has reduced over the last 10 12 years um, and therefore, the non-mandatory stuff becomes the mm. place where the, the 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 finances get pinched. Um, but some of these things, they might not necessarily be mandatory, but they are a higher priority than a nice to have. The, I guess the the fundamental question, and if we had the answer, mm -hmm. then, to be honest with with you, we'd be worth a lot more money than we both currently are. Um, is how do you prioritise that? And to you know, to govern is to choose and to make those choices. But fundamentally, having facilities that um, vulnerable groups and that young people can use and then be safe. I think it's a given for them to be run by people that are vetted and are and are safe and that they're run responsibly. But you're right. The question is, is this just asking for an extension or more communication about 
the facilities that were already there um, and joining those dots up, which is also a valid valid ask, which might not necessarily cost that much more. It's just a question of making sure that people know that these things are available. But if it's providing mm. things that don't already exist, then obviously that's that costs a lot more. But you could also argue that the cost of them not being there leads to all sorts of other issues about isolation, uh, about poor mental health, um, yep. about street crime, about antisocial behaviour, about drug use. Um, that actually, if you look at the wider thing of it, the cost-benefit analysis of spending that money, you can make the case. But to return to your point, you need to make the case of where you get the money from in the first place. Well, and I think you're right, Simon. And I think the challenge of your cost-benefit analysis is that, you know, is that there is that element of, of you can do all the cost-benefit analyses in the world, but if you don't have the money there, you can't spend it. You know, is it is it good sense to send your car for a service every year? Yes, of course it is. But the question of to whether you've got the three hundred pounds to do that now, you know, yes, you you potentially are going to involve a two thousand pound broken bit on your car in three years' time, and it's the right thing to do. But if you don't have the three hundred pounds today, your car isn't broken today, so you you'll hope to get away with it. And I think this is this actually frames the, a lot of the dilemma that is going to come to the council in February. And I think there is very much going to be a, you know, in terms of making those choices, you know, and I know, I know, you know, without misquoting Steve, I know Steve is very passionate about, you know, the arts and, you know, music and that sort of vibrancy that comes to the city, which, you know, again, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of, but I know that there's an element of, well, and I'll just pick something out of thin air, you know, oh well, the cost of putting on all the bandstand events. You know, if you if you knock those on the head, that would give you your money for this initiative. And you can say, well, yeah, but the two are, you know, again, it, it it's that element of, as you said, to govern is to choose. And I think there is an element of whatever choice is made in 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 this upcoming budget. Um, there's going to be a lot of people who are saying, well, you've chosen the wrong thing. And I think, well, this, this one for me, this, this for me feels expensive. And and it, it's that element of, you know, I I wonder whether the, the, the answer is going to be, well, okay, you know, yep, makes absolute sense, but almost that needs to be costed up as to, as to what this would cost to to put on in Portsmouth, and and to your point, you know, even if it's just education and joining the dots, well, somebody's got to go and deliver that education to, you know, to to the children of Portsmouth and the youth of Portsmouth, um, you know, and it's right that somebody should should need to be paid to do that. So yeah, I think this one this one looks for me to be the right thing to do. But it looks like a financial minefield to me. Okay. Well, the financial minefields are going to get opened in February, aren't they? So that's when we'll we'll start Certainly are. mine hunting across across those minefields, and then hopefully we'll have we'll have a an in-house um, economist or financial expert that will be able to speak um, speak to speak all about of those matters. 
um, with authenticity. So um, item 12C, which was the support of the WASPy women? Yes. I, I, and again, this is this... <laughs> Again, as time's moving on, you know, the the, the, the plight of the WASPy women, uh, and again, we won't go into it in detail, effectively, it was the change of the government for the the, the 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 age of retirement jumped from 60 to 65, which left a number of women who were, you know, planning to retire in the next one or two years, it, it thrown into turmoil. And, and I think there is, there's been a lot of legal kind of, wrangling in the background about how appropriate or in fact inappropriate that was but i guess this is one where i don't we're calling upon the council to do something and write a letter or write some letters um you're, you're literally lost for words um I, I am because I always think the one that says, you know, dear Gerald Vernon Jackson, thank you for your letter dated such and such and such and such. You know, we recognise this is an important issue. And on behalf of the people of Portsmouth, you brought it to our attention. This is something that we are actively aware of and working to disenfranchise the discombobulation of the retribution of the back funding and value your ongoing support in this matter yours sincerely blah 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 uh, letters are exchanged but nothing changes and uh, no and and you know that's something we've we've kind of spoken on uh spoken on before but uh just to just to summarize kind of the, the case on this it's about th those women whose retirement ages have been delayed um and those um, women may well have been yep. women who've looked after older relatives during the course of their working life, so therefore haven't been able to contribute as much into their pension. Um, so, um, so they've again been involved in, um, you know, caring um, activities, responsibilities fall uh, fall yep. disproportionately more to, more towards um, you know women than um, than not, um, and that leaves leaves some of them in basically left in poverty and struggling uh, to meet their the housing um their housing needs um and therefore that you know it's calling on the full council to um to basically to support the campaign uh, and to write to the local members of parliament and the secretary of state for work and pensions to outline the effects and the injustice to um, to 1950s women in the community in Portsmouth and, and seek for an immediate compensation package. And again, that's a that becomes a choice of where you spend the money question because the demographics of how the pension scheme works, you're yep. not paying into a pot to save for your pension. The national insurance you're paying now is paying the pensions of people that Correct. are drawing pensions down now. Um, and it's an injustice to these women. Yeah. But also it how do we square that at the same time of we have a we have a much lower ratio of the number of working age people contributing to the national insurance scheme um than are people drawing on it now um than there were yep. in in the 50s um when you know when these women would have started their working lives so it's it's and not an easy one to crack It's not, Simon, and and please don't anybody misunderstand my dismissive nature of this. is not about the plight of the WASPy women who, I believe, have been extremely hard done by. And whatever, you know, what it says in the motion is absolutely true. I guess, for me, it's the, it, it's whether 
whether a strongly worded letter from Gerald Vernon Jackson to the members of parliament and or the Department of Work and Pension will, will do anything other than make a contribution to recycling. Um, that's that's yeah, well, where I'd I have thought my, that have Labour could have got the Labour MP for Portsmouth South to to um, to look at it anyway. And I should imagine both um, both both MPs for yeah. the city would have had on record their whether they support the um, the campaign or not. So um, I, I, I think I get where you where you're kind of coming from. There isn't an easy answer to that. Yeah, um, it's the simple truth. Um, so Correct. this one should hope should hopefully be a quick one. Today, um, so today, which was the Conservative motion, so from um, Costume Councillor Matthew Atkins, um, and seconded by uh, John Smith. Basically, now we're out of COVID. Why do we need to book appointments for the, um, the Household Waste Recycling Centre at Port Solent? We shouldn't have to. So, so as a person who went to Port Solent Recycling Centre only this week... Oh, that's how thorough our research um, is. To topical we were by happy accident rather than anything else. So, uh, I can answer this, Councillor Matt Atkins and John Smith. The answer is, during the autumn and the winter, it doesn't matter a jot, really. We could bin the booking system straight away. Is the booking system enforced? There was nobody there with a clipboard when we turned up. The difference is when it gets to the summer. Because when it gets to the summer, particularly a summer weekend, what used to happen pre-COVID is everybody would clear their garden on the first shiny weekend of the year. And that queue of cars would be from the recycling centre back out onto the onto the road. Um, and you'd sit in it with all of your pollution spewing out of your car for three quarters of an hour before you'd finally get in to, to unload your car. So answer for me is since that's been in place, any time of the year, you book your slot, you turn up, you unload your car, you drive off again. It's much smoother. It just works better. Let's not change it. Okay. Well, we won't. We won't. Uh, <laughs> we won't. Nope. We won't labour that one. That point then. Um, nope. So, twelve nope. E celebrating celebrating local sportswomen. So, from councillors Ryan Brent and Linda Symes, uh, talking about the success of the um, of this year's um, national success in women's sport. Uh, where the Lionesses won the Euro football competition and the England Red Roses uh, reached the Rugby World Cup final. None of these words mean much to me, I have to be honest, but they, but nope. at least no, one I'm, of them I'll, means I'll, something I'll, to I'll, you. I'll, oh yeah, I'll, I'll help you out with this Can you one, translate into Simon, person so that doesn't follow sport? I will do. I, I will do. So, so the women's team won the Euro football and the women's rugby team got to the final of the women's rugby and were absolutely robbed following a clash of heads and a player got sent off. But we do have one of England's own in that game was Vicky Cornborough, who started her playing career at Portsmouth and uh, as a former committee member and member of Portsmouth Rugby Club, um, I can say that Vicky is very active at the Oh, Ian, I've just lost you. So Ian just seems to have lost his internet temporarily. Um, let me just try and get Ian back in. You're back. You are back. Um, so we lost you at you saying that Vicky is very active. Yeah. So so what I was saying is that 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 Vicky Cornborough, who played for England in the World Cup final, um, is is very active at Portsmouth Rugby Club. Um, 
you know, from a from a women's rugby perspective, um, that has grown from sort of eight, ten years ago. Was you know, we struggled to raise a women's team at Portsmouth. There are now two teams playing almost every weekend, and we've got as many women members as we have men. Um, so, whilst I think this is a, you know, this is a, it, it's right that that we should be celebrating the success in women's sport. I think actually there is a, there is a bigger job of work to do in terms of the, de, you know, the decline of team sport. If you if you look across all of the the, the indicators of cricket and football and rugby, um, you know, women's sport is actually growing which is fantastic news but participation in team sport generally is is rapidly on the decline um and i think i think there is an element of whilst i think we should definitely celebrate the success of the women of portsmouth i think i would be um i would be focusing on efforts in terms of getting more people playing more team sport and you'll just have to trust me simon that um that uh, as a man who advocates the playing of team sport and loves it um, it is good for you. I, I'm, I don't disagree. I've, I've heard that it's wholesome and, and good for you. It's just not something I was ever any good at. I, I played precisely one rugby game for my school um, and had all sorts of things shouted at me because I was too scared to tackle someone because I would have get, got boots in my face. Um, I won't repeat what the guy said. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> No, no, it's it's it, it, it. Yes, there is an element of of I I, I recognise it's. But this it's, was the late eighties, so to be fair, you know, it's a different. It, uh, yes, yeah, no, no, and to be fair, different, now, different century. Yes, no, and and now it's uh, it's interesting that um you know the latest development at Portsmouth Rugby Club will be uh, it will be walking rugby that they're they're looking to get up and going, which is a is a tag related game rather than. You you having to be brutalised by some some twenty stone giant. Obviously, as the man who was the twenty stone giant, um, I rather enjoyed the brutalisation more than most. You just like making people suffer, Ian. Um, well, so absolutely. can we very quickly touch on the um, touch on the questions because there was quite a spattering of questions. Yeah, so the yeah, so the questions are all there, but there are there, there's. I, I guess we read through them all, and and I read through them all this morning, and sort of looked at them, and and there's a there seems to be a sort of flavour of them that some of them seem a little bit forced, some of them have got a touch of gotcha about them. You know, we we'd like to ask the cabinet member for X or Y to explain why they haven't, or ask them whether they've done the thing that we know they haven't done, so that we can either get them to confess they haven't done it or we can we can call them fibber if they say that they have so yeah it, it kind of ranges from can you give us an update on funny. what's happening with Bransbury yeah. Park um uh, does the council um confirm can the council confirm whether there are lease agreements with third parties that allow their land to be sublet um what is the value gotcha. of the crate loads of PPE that's sat and sat in a car park underneath the civic offices? Because um, gotcha. it's not like we've learnt recently that it's worth having that stuff hanging around. Um, how did the um, cabinet member for traffic and transportation come to the analysis um, that they did regarding the speed survey data um, for um, Langston Road um, in Baffins Ward? Um, 
plastic discs were put into road surfaces in the city to assist parking schemes. What's happened to them? They seem to have disappeared. Um, why did Portsmouth fail to attract additional investment from Arts Council national portfolio organisations? Um, following the gotcha. decisions, what, are, what is the council doing to... Uh, what are the criteria for making sure that the council isn't investing, for example, in the uh, Qutari uh, National Bank? Um, and um, would the cabinet member for the council works um, um, advise when the works on Devonshire Avenue um, will commence? Um, and after the survey, so that I think that's about um, their um, uh, their traffic reductions. Um, and then the last one was. Um, well, oh, sorry, not the last one. What did the did the council um, and the cabinet members do to greet and welcome the representatives of the U.S. Navy um, when um, when basically the aircraft carrier recently uh, recently stayed um, in the Solent because it was too big to come in the harbour? Um, a recent report outlined the delivery challenges within the trading standards team. What are those issues and what are the actions being taken? And residents um, in um, Hilsey are raising issues regarding engagement from the private sector housing team. What what's being done about that? So th there's a a bit of a spattering of a variety of kind of different things, and the link um, to these is in the in the comments if anyone wants to go and read them in detail. But as you say, there's a bit of like a some of these are kind of like a you didn't meet the U.S. Navy, you snubbed the U.S. Navy. Is that kind of how you're reading that? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's an element of, uh, again, it, it feels like that some of them are being asked because we think we should ask something. Um, it, it's interesting that they that, that there seems to be a growing of the questions as there's a reduction in the notice of motions. And I guess they'll be quicker because I think there's an element of question, answer, clarifying point, the end. Um, but yeah, kind of. That there's there's almost an element of if the council at any point you know it's always no overall control if the you know there could be cross-party support for putting you and i in charge of it um you know there's an element of i think we'd we'd run through this agenda pretty quickly and go no not bothering with that one that one can go no uh, stop being silly um and yeah we'd, we'd tighten everything up that could be our our Christmas blessing to the, the Job, jobs in democratic services await us both. Not um, absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. The 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 sweet joy of benign dictatorship. So um, yeah, no. Well, we'll, we'll see whether that comes on the notices of motion uh, for January. Please, uh, we'll we'll see if anyone starts advocating for us. But the football is ongoing. I haven't heard any screaming from the other rooms, so I'm guessing that uh, that it's um, it's still quiet. So uh, if you're listening to this as the podcast, then uh, hopefully England have won and everybody will be cheering. But uh, yep, looks like it's going to be our last show of the year next week. So uh, are we just pulling that together now, and then we're going to take a bit of Christmas and New Year off, recharge our batteries, and uh, and basically wait for something exciting to happen in the world of politics that will, uh, will allow us to produce our next vibrant show indeed kim um never let it be said that we don't respond to, to topical issues uh kimberly informs us in the comments that it's currently nil nil 
Absolutely. Well, that's marvellous. That means I missed half an hour of dull football. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And, and I've been Simon Sansby. As Ian said, join us next week, 627. Uh, Facebook and YouTube will be live, or you can catch us later wherever you get your podcasts. Um, join us for the last show of the year. Uh, but don't forget to like, follow, share, subscribe, all of those lovely things. But if you have cake, you can send that as well. Yeah, we like cake. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>